Yes. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog. There, you'll read, learn, and make comment about her life as a 21st century wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. For the next hour, my guest and I will be, to the best of our ability, answering questions and giving advice to small business owners and to people who dream of owning a small business. You may be asking yourself, what makes this lady qualified to do this? And I'll tell you, my experience is deep and wide and my advice is free. Forty years ago, with just $400, I started Arkansas Flag and Banner. Since then, it's morphed into simply flagandbanner.com, with sales nearing $4 million. That's worth saying again. I started Arkansas Flag and Banner with just $400, and today we have sales nearing $4 million. I started by selling flags door-to-door, then went to telemarketing, next mail order, and catalog sales, and today we rely heavily on the Internet. In addition, over the last 40 years, I've navigated Flag and Banner through two recessions and two wars. When people find out I'm the woman that owns Arkansas Flag and Banner, they often say, oh, I've heard about you, and they begin asking me business advice. I amaze even myself with all the knowledge I've gained. You will not be given textbook answers or theory, but you will be given candid advice from my real-world experience. So be prepared to hear the truth. It's not always easy to hear. For instance, you may not want to hear this. In business, there are very few overnight successes. Starting and owning a business takes persistence, perseverance, and patience. When I started Arkansas Flag and Banner, I supplemented my income by waitressing, all while I peddled my flags door to door. After nine years, did you hear me? Nine years of working a part-time job, the company began to grow and solely support me. My first hire was a bookkeeper to handle the clerical side of the business. My first expansion was to begin the manufacturing of custom flags. So a sewing department developed. The next decade ushered in Desert Storm War. Flags were scarce, so a screen printing department was hurriedly built to meet the consumer's demands. In addition to sales and marketing and manufacturing, Flag and Banner now has a purchasing department, a shipping department, technology department, marketing department, call center, and a retail store. I'm tired just saying it. And I spearheaded the development of every one of these departments. My experience is deep and wide, and my advice is free. I hope you'll take advantage of this unique opportunity. My guest today is <laughs> Barry Corcoran of Barry M. Corcoran and Company. Very original. Their website says they advise and assist clients in making financial decisions by providing them with information that will aid in the strategic thinking of their lifelong and multi generational goals. I'll say that again in layman terms. His company and his passion is to help clients execute and make informed decisions about their lifelong and family goals. Barry also advises in fiduciary audits and when needed gives expert testimonies under oath. In 1983, which is about when I met him, he received his CFP, Certified Financial Planner designation. 
In 2003, from the University of Pittsburgh, he received his AIFA designation, Accredited Investment Fiduciary Auditor, making him the first and only AIFA person in the state of Arkansas. Barry is founding president of the Arkansas Chapter of Financial Planning Association, where in 2004 he was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Money Magazine designated Barry Corcoran as one of the best 200 financial planners in the whole United States. Nationally recognized again in Bloomberg's Wealth Manager Magazine, Barry's firm was ranked 54th in the top of the list of wealth managers in the United States. He was once the host of his very own radio show, Ask the Experts, that was on KARN. Now he is a reoccurring expert guest on THV's morning show in Little Rock, Arkansas. And last but not least, I love this one, Barry co-authored his book, Widowed, Beginning Again Personally and Financially, published in 1999. Profits from the sale of his book are donated to nonprofit organizations that assist widows. Welcome to the table, Barry Corcoran. You're making me blush. I think I am. You kind of look like it. Slap your mama. It's kind of hard to sit here and listen to all of those compliments. I didn't even list it all. I cut it down. That may be the longest intro I've ever done. So I asked you on today because I got an email from a listener and I quote, she asked, can you speak to the issues around multi-generational businesses and succession issues? So... Today, I want to ask your advice on exiting strategies for small businesses, building wealth and retirement for the average person, and what you think is the biggest, most single mistake people make. But before we get to the listener's question about multi-generational businesses and succession issues, I want you to tell us about yourself. You've done a lot, to say the least. What are you doing right now, and what is your current passion? Oh, wow. Um, well, my, Catch you off guard? Yeah, uh, just, just a little bit. You know, having been in this business for decades, we established plans and strategies with families. And my practice is maturing to the point where I'm seeing those plans actually be executed and come into play. And we're seeing wealth and opportunity move to the next generation. And so for me, that's very exciting to set up uh, an estate plan or a trust 20 years ago and to see it actually do what it's supposed to do and to do it very effectively. How'd you do? Did you uh, do good? Uh, well, sure. We did very well. Sounds yeah. like you did. 54th in the country. Yeah. So, so I, I think that for financial advisors to get to the point where your practice is maturing and you're working with the children of the second generation and having a voice to the third generation, their children, of the wealth that mom and dad put together is very, very interesting, very rewarding work. I bet. This is a mentoring show for small business owners or for those who are just starting their careers. So Barry, you're a small business owner. You started this business and you also help small business owners like me. So to speak to our listeners question, let's say you're ready to start thinking about your exit strategy for you in your business. And I think your three choices are these and you may have more. Pass it on to a family member or you could pass it on to your employees. ESOP. I love that. Mm -hmm. Sell it. Figuring out what the value of it is or dissolving it. Where do you want to begin on that topic? Which one? Well, uh, you know, it's obviously a very personal uh, family decision uh, about whether, you know, I guess the first discussion is, are we going to pass it on to the kids? And so when your kids are five or six years old, kind of hard for you to imagine them uh, even being interested or wanting to be involved in your business at all. 
And um, so as your children get older and they uh, develop their own interest and and their goals and and what they want to do, uh, it's not uncommon for the children not to do what mom or dad did. Uh, And so it it takes a while for a business owner to determine that there's not going to be a family member who's a good candidate to step into their shoes when when they retire. So you say there usually is a child that wants to go into the business or there usually isn't? There usually isn't it. Is Is not. Yeah. I think more often the case that the the children just develop other interests and other passions that is not to sell flags or give financial advice or whatever the business is and or that maybe they're not as skilled or equipped to run the business uh, that was started by the previous generation so it's it's a it's not uncommon at all and it forces the business owner into one of the other alternatives but the the first evaluation is do I have anybody in the family who's going to do this? And you don't know. And you don't know. And, I, and, and it's uh, almost like you don't know until it's too late because you don't know until they get through high school and college or tech school and, and get their education and, and, and kind of get that youth part behind them and then begin to kind of think about what they want to do with their lives. And so they might be, for me, it took a long time, uh, older than 25 What'd or, or 30. What did your dad do? He was a truck driver. What? Yes. I love that. You know, they need truck drivers right now. They've got a shortage of truck drivers. Well, it's one of the problems we have in the economy. There's a lot of areas where there's shortage of people uh, to, to do uh, you know jobs like that. So Well, they, yeah. they, they need them. Yeah. There's not enough people that want to yeah. be away from home. Sounds yeah. like the perfect way to be married, to be, be yeah. married to a truck driver. He's gone half the time. Sounds like he could stay married forever. I don't know. Um, so I went to you yeah. when my kids were young, remember? Yep, right. and, I and, do. And uh, you helped me do a very extensive plan about succession of my children and then yeah. we had to redo it again yeah how often do so, you have so to revisit at, yeah. so, so at the time in, in your case uh, when we looked at that your, your kids were really young yes. and, and we really couldn't uh, assess their ability to run your business or their desire to run their, their business and so it was about how do we capture that economic value of what you have built and then and then pass that along to them because the presumption was that they weren't, or we didn't know whether they were going to take on the business. And so, you know, when when your kids get older, you begin to kind of sense or feel they're not going to be candidates or they are. So, so yes. So when it, do you bring them in to, and ask them? When well, do you bring them all oh, in and no, say? The par- no, the parents, you know. You don't uh, ask them. Well, you just need to review this every few years, and here's our plan. And, you know, gee, how do you feel about your son and daughter and their skill or ability or interest in running your business? And if the answer is, I'm not feeling it, then it's not going to work out. And I think that's a little bit of the problem because it takes a parent a number of years. I think maybe if I just kind of give it another year or so, my son or my daughter is going to be a good candidate. And then, you know, maybe it still doesn't work out. So then you find yourself, gee, here we are. My, my kids are in their 30s and I'm in my 60s and, you know, kind of behind the curve to make a decision here. So you don't know. You don't and know. you don't know, well, so you're like, so you just decide that f- to put it in. A, but you, but your concern, my concern is my employees, because yeah. they're like family also, yeah. and so I want to do what is also right by them. So if you don't think your children want to do the business, what do you recommend to your to? Well, that's that's a. Uh, or no, let's start with let's actually start with they do want it. Let's decide your kids do want it. How do you transfer the business? 
and then we'll move on to selling it or dissolving it. So your kids do want your business. And that's probably the most complicated of all the options because selling it is is a a different path and um, that's actually easier than integrating the you know the children. Okay, then we'll start. And and probably the biggest problem with uh, having the kids step into the shoes uh, of the uh, of the of the member who who started the business is the member lingers and stays on. Yeah, and and the loyalty that the employee has to the company, but I've worked for this person for forty years, and now this young whippersnapper is coming yeah. in here, and and it's just it, it's just a different, very difficult uh, um, trans- so, transition for employees to make. So what we did, and I'll just share. I don't think it matters. Sure, uh, we did a board, yep. so that if I pass, Arkansas Flag and Banner goes into a trust. And then that trust, I believe, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think we had a trust with, uh, and the trust, oh, and then Arkansas Flag and Banner was a part of that trust. Yeah. And then there were there was a board of three Correct. on Arkansas Flag and Banner. And one was you, of course. Of course, you're my age. You may die, yeah. too. Yeah. And then the other one was a family member that rotated on and off every year, so a right. new family member. Right. And then... And then we had just a uh, like a uh, a professional, a, right. a bank trustee. So, yeah. Somebody. So 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 let's kind of go back to that. You know, when you're talking about small business, that could either be a sole proprietorship, it, it might be a partnership, or it might be limited liability company, it might might be a corporation. Right. So there's there's legal issues about how you treat uh, you know all of those. In small business with small business owners, there's not a board of directors, and the idea that you adopt a board of directors, even though you're the only person running the company. But that's what you do. Yeah, that's exactly what you should do, is, is that you should have a kind of a quasi board of directors or a real board of directors that, that help guide that business to, you know, down one path or the other. And, and so in the absence of, of the business owner, who is has all the experience and knowledge to you know to do that, and, and you lose that person. The board of directors steps in, and they guide the business. And it doesn't necessarily trigger the sale of the business because because the business owner has passed away. It just says that this committee of three people are going to be good stewards of the business, whether they keep it and then nurture it to see if one family member steps into those shoes or whether you sell it or some other transition, but the whole idea is to capture the value of the business so it doesn't degrade or decline in value. That so that you can sell if you want to after you're gone. That's so one of the options. Here, here's me. I don't ever want to sell my business probably. I mean, I might. I don't know. But right now, I don't think I'm going to sell my business. You, and will, I you, you will never sell your business. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> and I'll never retire, will I? No, you'll never retire. <laughs> I know. So I'll be sitting at the desk, and all of a sudden, one day, I will have a heart attack, and they'll find me in there with my cup of coffee and they'll come to you and they'll say mom is gone what is she what did she have in place and you will say uh, we now have to start a board There's Arkansas a board. Flag and Banner will now be run by a board and no longer by Carrie McCoy and these are the board members and y'all get together and I'll facilitate and uh, we'll make decisions as a group. And if you all want to sell it, we'll sell it. If you all want to grow it, we'll grow it. If y'all all want to work in it, you can work in it. And it becomes 
their decision on what they want to do with their life and the business that I left them. Yeah, that, that board of directors or, or, or in some cases the, a trustee committee actually has the primary objective of stabilizing the business – that's you. You're saying yeah. that's you? Well, no, that's... No, the, the whole board. The, yeah, the whole board. Okay. And, and so whether it's selling flags or, or you're selling chickens or... Or you have what, a restaurant. Or we have a restaurant. What, whatever that business is, is that they are to step in and stabilize and maintain and manage, make sure that there's a good manager and the business is managed well to be profitable and stabilize. It's good for the employees. It's good for you know whoever gets the the value of the business but the whole key to it is is that is that board or that trustee committee needs to have if they don't have any experience in running a a restaurant they need to get a third party there that knows how to to to, to do a, a restaurant so you need you need somebody who has keen business sense and and specific experience with that industry and then somebody who who has an interest in making good decisions for your kids so that's why we kind of have three a committee of three and even that committee of three could vote i want to have a committee of five and get two more people they want on there once that happens they could say you know we're not smart enough let's get a lawyer and an attorney on this board with us so in your case the committee would would meet they would get together and they would evaluate do we see anybody in the company who would be a good person to promote to manage the business and has the skill set or we're going to do triage we're going to hire somebody short term just to keep daily operations going while we interview a new person to run the business and hire them to do so tell me what triage means um, quit using big words on me <laughs> quick What's triage hey, it's got to have something with three emergency repair or emergency attention oh that's like surgery yeah, well, that's what they do in the emergency room of hospitals. So, uh, okay, yeah. so or yeah. we hire a triage, triage comes in and well, 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 so you have and to, stops uh, the bleeding and, you, and you shores imi- it up. You have to immediately take the steps to keep the business stabilized and moving forward. And keep everybody feeling confident. And feeling, yeah. And as soon as you communicate that to the employees, there's somebody in charge, there is a plan, it's being executed, and it's going to be in our best interest. There's somebody in charge, there is a plan, and it's being executed and it's going to be in the company's best interest yes those are awesome somebody in charge there is a plan it's going to be executed and it's in the company's best interest yes those are exactly the issues you said that perfectly my guest today is financial and wealth manager barry corcoran so okay now we know how to uh make a plan you just told us how to make a plan, and it turns well, you just all have the to, responsibility yeah. over to yeah. the living members after you're gone. Yeah. They can and, sell it or do whatever. And, and making a plan involves engaging a, an expert who uh, has the knowledge and experience in strategic planning. How do you find them? Because um, well, you're full. Yeah. You don't want any more business. <laughs> I already know that. Uh, how, how do you find You have to find a fee-based advisor. Do you do it on the Internet? Um, you go to the Internet? Do you call the state? To, 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 to find one? Uh-huh. Yeah. How do you find good people? Yeah, just fee, a fee-based advisor and interview them and, and tell them what your situation is. You want is them to be fee-based. Yeah. What does that mean? That means that they're not going to spend all this time trying to get to, uh, to sell you a financial product or service where they make a commission. When I met you, you used to sell uh, annuities, insurance, and we, you quit. We, uh, oh, yeah. And is that why? Yeah. Because you felt like it was a conflict of interest? Well, very definitely a conflict of interest. And I wasn't interested in selling. I was interested in advising. 
Uh, and you know, so I just uh, eventually converted my practice to, to fee only. You know, it's funny, though, about fees because you don't get anything in your hand. I didn't just sell you a flag and you walked out with a flag. Fees mm. are kind of this intangible service. It, it's a struggle. I I bet it is. I mean, it, it really is a struggle. Uh, you know, where, where if I sell you a refrigerator and I get a commission, you've got the refrigerator. Uh, and, and so... It's it's and and people have to understand how important your position is in their life. Yeah, and the fee means that that person's going to be objective, and they have to advise you in your best interest. And they're not trying to sell a bunch of stuff to win a trip to the Bahamas, and and you know that that they're working for you, not for someone so else. If so, your financial planner says. You need an annuity in your portfolio. Sign here. I'm selling it to you. And then we'll talk about your retirement plans. He's not the right guy. That's not the right guy. And, and you know, what does that got to do with business succession anyway? And, and it, it's kind of going to the wrong store for, for the advice that you need. Oh, so you, you, you don't necessarily need a financial product to, to make the decisions and go through the planning process that we're, that we're talking about here. So we've got to, gosh, I've got so much to talk about. But before we do, I want to explain what a trust is. Because the older I get, the less I care about looking stupid and asking questions. But when I was young, I was like, oh, what's a trust? I didn't know. So tell everybody what a trust is and why people need trust. Wow, that's a, that, that might be. Well, I'm, I'm going to try to narrow that down. But Layman tra- terms. Yeah, the, the trust is just kind of a, a separate legal entity. And so if you own your car, then, then your name is on it. But if you have a trust uh, and the trust uh, owns the car, then it's just separate ownership. And, and so the, the, the positive thing about the trust is that everybody's role is, uh, is identified. There's the grantor, the person who sets up the trust and, and puts the property in there. There's the beneficiary, uh, that, that is a person who's going to benefit by it. And then, then there's the trustee who has the duty and responsibility to be a good steward of the property in the trust. So I think you're talking over everybody's head. I'm going to dumb it down for them. Okay. So there is a big umbrella and everything that you own goes and gets up under this umbrella. And when you die, that umbrella protects all your things. Takes care of everything. It takes care of all the issues that happen, but it also keeps you from having to pay inheritance taxes. Yeah. Well, there's because now that tr- that umbrella becomes yeah. a person almost. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, that's why I mean it's a kind of a separate entity. It's a separate thing, separate from you. So yes, it's. So uh, I'm an entity, and yeah. this trust is an entity. Yeah. And when yeah. you move all of your stuff out of your own possession and you move it into yeah. this big umbrella, yeah. it now stays there. So when you yeah. die, it's not yeah. passing on as an inheritance tax right. to somebody. Okay. It stays so, there. So for for many years, we use trust in different ways in order to avoid um, estate taxes. That's what. That's why you and I did it. Yeah, and but now because estate taxes of uh, those laws have evolved and changed, yeah. we're using trust for less and you know, less for that reason. Yeah, isn't it six that, million dollars? Uh, Five point four. Yeah. Uh, and um, nobody's and, got and, that kind of money. And, and, and we're using these trusts more often to avoid probate. 
uh, and to simplify things like this committee stepping in because the the moment of death that means that committee is effectively appointed at that moment in time you don't have to go to court you don't have to get agreement you don't have to do anything instantaneously what's in that trust those those committee members are are driving the car they're they're so could i have put my board and put together and all the uh, things we talked about just a minute ago my succession yeah. after my could i have yeah. done it without a trust or did i have to have a trust to make all of those rules underneath to keep you, it legal you, you don't have to have a trust but in your case there were other reasons that you should have a trust so you really need advice from somebody like you this is a deep subject it's very it gets very complex very, very even for a very simple business it gets very complex very quickly right so okay let's say because we could spend forever on just that subject. Yes, we could. Um, let's say you decide you want to dissolve the business. My parents wanted to dissolve their business because, like you said, I didn't want it. And so I had my own thing going. And so they wanted to dissolve their business, and they did it. How do you suggest? I know they did it by inventory reduction. How else? What are your suggestions if you want to start dissolving your business and taking the money out of it? Well, once again, it depends entirely on the kind of business and what the assets are in the business. And it, and for each kind of business, um, there are certain legal issues that need to be addressed. And then there's income tax issues. And so somebody that owns a manufacturing firm um, has a completely different set of uh, dissolution issues or you're going to dissolve the business uh, as compared to in a consultant or somebody who has a hair salon just they're just very very uh, different businesses so so depending on a variety of factors that there's in some cases a, a lot to consider and in cases where somebody has a corporation where you retain wealth inside the corporation the challenge is to get that wealth out of the corporation you just stop doing business and the challenge is if you've got wealth inside the corporation, you left money in there, it's, it's how do I get it out tax efficiently? And so uh, depending on a variety of factors, you develop a strategy that might take a few years actually to unwind that and, and then be permitted to dissolve the, the, the corporation. So my parents, um, they just began to cut their expenses. So they went from back then you had lines coming in so they had like four lines coming in they went down to one line coming in so they saved money on their telephone bill then they began to save money on their utilities then they began to cut back their payroll and they began to take the money out over years out of the business they reduced their inventory and by the time they finally quit working there wasn't much left in the business right that's an example of a business that required a slow um, process by which you slow down the business that's what and, they did and you lower the volume of sales and you use various strategies and techniques to get the wealth out of the corporation tax efficiently into their hands and sometimes that takes two or three years and what's interesting about that is they couldn't have done it abruptly they couldn't have said hey on December 31st we're just going to kind of stop doing this and we'll shut it down uh, give the employees a bonus and, and call it a day. Why couldn't uh, they have done that? Be, because there has to be a business purpose for you to continue a business and deploy some of these strategies. And, oh. you know, it, because it was a taxable event to take everything out of the corporation. Because it would have been too heavily of a tax burden if they had just stopped. So then, then you can distribute your assets. You pay off your debts. What's the biggest mistake that most people do when they do this? So they don't think about the tax ramifications? Yes. 
it's very easy to to make a misstep uh, in dissolving the company only to be hit, hit with a, a gigantic tax bill a year, a year and a half later because you didn't realize what you were doing. So all your life you've worked and now all of a sudden you've exited not very strategically or the, intelligently and now all the money you've made you've had to go to pay the taxes. Your nest egg is scrambled. Your nest egg is scrambled. <laughs> So now you got to get all your papers in order. Are there any special papers at closing your business? Just like POD? It's a, it's a nightmare. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> He's so honest. All right, let's move on to selling it. Now we're going to selling your business. Well, let we didn't me, talk let about me, an ESOP where you could pass your business on to yeah, your... Yeah. Well, uh, let, me, let me just speak to somebody who has a business, a sole proprietorship, and they, they just kind of un, want to unwind it. Okay. All, all of these licenses, you know, for city license and state and payroll taxes and all of these things that we do that are regulations and, and, and businesses are required to do, you, you've got to unwind all of that. You've got to send in notices to say, I'm not going to be in business anymore. I just recently had uh, uh, closed a, a medical practice uh, w- with a client who's a doctor, and uh, it probably took a year and a half to notify all of the responsible parties that oh b- b- that practice wasn't going to be, and the requirement, the regulations required documents to be scanned and maintained in a safe place for a certain number of years, and so depending on the business, unwinding it could be extremely complex what if you just said no i'm not going to do that i'm dead i don't care what would happen who could they get they will find you they'll find dig you up well they will find you well you can't retire and do that if you retire they'll find you but you just drop dead it's your kid's problem too bad well they just well if you drop dead obviously not a problem but if you're trying to retire and you just and you just close your business um you're going to get letters from the irs for the rest of your life and they come knocking on your door in little black cars and sedans, in black sedans, with head with earphones on, black, headsets, yeah, black suits and black ties. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're selling it. How do you come up with the value of your company? Because I'm oh. always disappointed in this. <laughs> always think forty two years, it's got to be worth something. And they come in, they go two hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. Well, businesses uh, trade uh, based on um, the price agreed to by a willing seller and a willing buyer. So you got to have those two. So Google is way overpriced. Or was well, it Google? No, it was Yahoo. Which one sold that was way over? Oh, well, it was uh, Facebook. Yeah. Sold way overpriced. Well, but we're talking about a restaurant in North Little Rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Nobody and, wants that. And, yeah, and, and so, you know, how, how do I sell that business? And the value of it is is that, you know, a business owner plays two roles. They're the manager and the owner. The, the owner is getting compensation for making the investment and the manager is getting compensation for working, okay? So most of us are both managers and owners. So we're investors and, and, manage, and, and employees. Yeah. And, and so the value of the business is really driven to the investor, is really driven by how profitable the business is um, for, the, for the owner. Be, because, so they uh, look at the owner's salary. Uh, they look at the manager's salary and the how much. Salary. Yeah, how much can I can I make in salary or compensation to to run this business and and um, you know that's that's a factor in how you value the you know how you value that. Do they, and there's a lot of people uh, who who don't make a profit as an owner. They're only making enough money to pay their salary. They're just making salary. Yeah. So that means their business isn't worth as much as they think that it's worth. Well, I have a lot of inventory. 
What's the what's the what's inventory worth? Well, it's not well, worth what I think it's worth. Well, it's, it depends on what the inventory is. It's too. probably aged. It probably has something to do with the age of the inventory. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on you know a flag that sits in a box for three years looks like the flag that you that's in a box that you got yesterday. So, so it oh, really it's not depends. Perishable, you yeah, mean? Yeah. So it it really depends on what the inventory that that we're talking about. But the components of the value of the business are the earnings and. Uh, and the inventory, and do you own the building and the land where your business is? Because you might is. sell the building with it. Yeah, so there, so there's just so a, a you, lot. Does of your accountant and, and, help and you I, value it? Well, mostly there's some accountants who are uh, eligible or qualified and trained to to uh, appraise businesses, but that's a very expensive process. And very then I get emails process. all the time from people saying, "Do you want to sell your business? Do you use those people? Do you?" Oh well, those people are intermediaries, you know, looking for deals. How and do, so, yeah. so, so that's if you're desperate, you use them, uh, get it done quick. Well, you know, I'm very uncomfortable with those people who are out looking for. What if I want to sell to, my business tomorrow? How would I go about it? Not that I do, but how would I go about it? I would put an ad in the paper. I mean, how do you? Say, it's like a car. You don't just go, hey, I got a Ford Chevy for. Or Ford Chevy can't do yeah, that. Well, I got uh, a, <laughs> <laughs> probably the best thing to do is go to your competitor. Oh, I see. I mean, because they understand the business, uh, they could use the inventory. Uh, they, they, you know. So you look I, for a syner- synergized partner. Uh, yes. Is that the right way? Yeah, so, somebody who can, you know, who, who, who can appreciate benefit. what, and and maybe you're doing business in a way that's better than theirs. So, and it might be a smaller business or a larger business, but you know, going to a competitor or uh, someone who owns a business that it might be a compliment. Uh, uh-huh. to, to, yeah, to their, to their, their product line. Yeah, to something that, that kind of makes sense, you know, for, for their business. So plan before too. we change off the succession subject. Yes. And we didn't talk about ESOPs for passing it on to your employees, which I love that one. There's a lot of grocery stores out there that are employee owned. Yes. And I love that. Have you ever done one of those? Yes, we, we've actually worked with some people who have done are that. Are they and, successful very much? Um, yeah, many times they are because m- most of the time um, they're leveraged ESOPs. So what does that I, mean? That means a bank has to make some loans to uh, to the to the plan to, to cash out the owners. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and so in order to get a bank involved in an ESOP, there's a lot of eyes and um, and then it has a board, probably. Yeah. So, so in other words, it's vetted. I mean, it goes through a process that if you put in a, a leveraged ESOP, then then there's um, just elements in the plan that that, that lend to its and success. And they all and all the employees pretty much keep their pay. They just kind of get stock. Isn't that right? They just become partial owners, just like yeah. a stock in the com- in the company. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, they're they're kind of working for themselves, if you will. If I wanted to, if I did go and sell my business to somebody to a synergized company for me, uh, uh, another flag company, let's say, would you owner finance it? I had a girlfriend owner finance the sale of her business, and then it went belly up, and she ended up not getting any money. Have you ever seen that, where the owner finances it? Yes. You you don't like it, I can tell. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by the look on your face. You're not a banker, Carrie. Don't start financing people. Yeah, I mean, if you were selling a land and a building, uh, I mean, it's... Well, you, it, it's, you can it's, go it's, get it back. Yeah, because you can get that back. But, but they run your uh, business into the ground, and now you've got it and back, and you got to start all over, and you were trying to retire. Yeah. You know, if the bank's not going to lend the money, then there's not any reason for you to lend the money, so... By and large, I, I'm not real crazy about that. So you idea. know the story of the town cobbler whose children have no shoes? Yes. 
Do you have a succession plan? <laughs> Since I'm all wrapped up in your life, um, yes, I'm, I'm listening to this yeah, answer really yeah, closely. Yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, so there, there, there's a short term and a long term succession plan. I can tell it's private. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You're listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. This is a mentoring show for small business owners or for those just starting their careers. My guest today is financial wealth manager Barry Corcoran, who is nationally recognized. I can't believe no one's called and asked him a question. You know, every time they don't call, it's because my guest is intimidating. You're a smart dude. This is your chance to get advice from the Barry Corcoran. Don't be scared. I'll make him talk in temp- simple terms. What yeah, are you well, say? I, I, well I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to scare anybody. I would love to help. You know, um, Channel 11 had uh, three or four people um, to answer phone calls, and it, it just opened to anybody to call and, and ask questions. Did you get many? And it was from 6 o'clock in the morning to, to 9.30, and... Uh, they started at six o'clock, and, uh-huh. and and all the phones were just right yeah. off the wall, and it was a cell phone. And somewhere in the middle of that three and a half hours, I looked at my phone. There were 173 missed calls. I cl- I cleared that out, and by the time that it was, we were finished at uh, uh, three and a half hours later, uh, I had over 200 uh, missed calls. And I was walking out of the station, and somebody called on the landline and said, "Would you talk to this guy?" Oh, I love it. And and so the 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 need our, our financial world has gotten so complex yeah. that the need out there by the public is great. And it is. We're going to talk about what how I, we're going to leave just the business world, and we're going to move to yeah. just retirement plans for everybody. Yep. Um, we've only got 15 minutes left. So, let's switch gears. I knew we could talk forever. You're going to have to come back on. Uh, let's switch gears, and let's speak to everyone listening. Let's say they can't afford you because nobody can afford you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're full. You're not taking any more people. No. Uh, what is the first thing you would recommend for the people listening to start on their dream of independence and wealth management? What's the first thing they should do? Well, um Actually, there's a company here in town that that um, oh, excellent. you know that that charges modest fees and modest hourly rates to give objective financial advice. And um, there's a lady named Karen Wages who's a CFP uh, at Financial Decisions, and they're located uh, uh, right off of 430 in, in West Little Rock. I've used them; she's great. Yeah, and um, you know. And, and, and to be fair and honest, I'm a, I'm a small shareholder in that company, but we started it so that we could have somebody who was qualified to talk to people who weren't, who didn't have a lot of money, and and she's very, very qualified to Is help. Is that why you sent her me too? Because I don't have very much money. Is that what you're saying? I think that's what you're saying. I was too small well, for no, you. It, it Kicked me out the door and it, sent it, me to Karen. It was all about objectivity because your your mom and dad were a client of mine, that's and right. so there's a little bit of a conflict there. Yeah, so. and she's great, and you're right. Yeah. They are. It's a it's a small office. Yes, they speak layman language. Absolutely. They will explain it to you. I really mm-hmm. love it. So go and talk to Karen Wages. We'll put a we'll put a, a link to her up at on uh, upyourbusiness.org. We'll yep. link to her and um, um, and so that's the place to start is is hiring somebody who you can pay them $35 an hour to look at all your stuff and your 401k and I have my stuff and 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 then for a reasonable amount of money do some reliable projections for what for what you need to do and help you make some of these decisions. So there's three savings retirement plans that I know of and there may be more and it's the IRA, the 401k and the and the pension plan. I know she does IRAs. 
she doesn't do 401ks but she can send you someone that does because she did me and then the pension plan i don't have a clue about how that works yeah most people uh, we don't see very many pension plans anymore for a variety of reasons we could spend a lot of time talking about that but you don't see very much of a of a, of a pension plan what's really important is you know you your spouse have a 401k plan at work you might have an ira you might have pieces of of retirement accounts at former employers and you just need to get a handle on that and get advice about trying to get all um, organized and, and, and maybe transferred to one place and you might have an individual account. I highly uh, recommend getting it all at yeah. one place because yeah. it's too unwieldy Yeah, and uh, nobody uh, likes to think about it or talk about it. Yeah, and, and you know, you, d- you you might have a few thousand dollars in this account over this employer and then over that and, and it's just uh, chaos and that lacks coordination and and. and and so, and so just getting organized is, is extremely helpful just to kind of see it all on one page and, and get it get get focused on. Karen Wages at Financial Decisions will set up your IRA, right? She can set up an IRA. She can advise you on your 401k plan. Oh, she can? She, yeah, she can talk to you about do you need a will or oh, she is, can? is your will outdated and... Uh, now, financial advisors can't do legal work, and they can't prepare documents, but they can express their opinion about whether your will is out of date or whether you need one oh, or wow. the consequences of not having one. So uh, actually, a lot and of people don't even have one and kind of need to be talked into having one. So, And, and so she draws on resources of accountants and attorneys uh, to help those people uh, implement what needs to be done. So an IRA is a place that you save money and you can put your money in explain well you explain the difference between the well, Roth the regular IRA yeah, and the Roth yeah with a regular IRA when I make a, a contribution I don't have to pay taxes on it so I save you know taxes if I'm in a real low tax bracket maybe that's not such a big deal um, what, what, what I do like is a Roth IRA because you make contributions after you've paid taxes. And if so you're you pay in, taxes on your income. Yeah, and then you make the contribution to the Roth IRA, and you're never taxed on it again. And the contribution means you put it in the IRA yeah, savings right. account. Right. It, it, it comes out of your check, payroll, and gets deposited into your IRA or Roth IRA. And when you take it out when you're 65, is that how old you are when you get to take it out? Well, you can start taking it when you're 59 and a half, but you must start really? taking it by the time you're, you're 70 and a half. So in, in the IRA, when you start taking it out 20 or 30 years from now, then it's taxable. In the Roth IRA, it's never taxable. So when you take it out, you don't have to pay taxes on it. Yeah. So there's so if I'm in a real low tax bracket, I'm really kind of attracted to those Roth IRAs because I'll never have to pay taxes. So young on. people should start a Roth IRA. Oh, my gosh, without a doubt. And when should they start it? Yesterday. And how much should, part of their income should go in it? Well, I mean, anything. Ten dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any amount is better than nothing. And you know, if you can put in five percent of your income or two or three percent of your income, then just don't even. Think so about let's it. say you and make. Here's, here, uh-huh. here's the deal. That might be hard for you to think about. My paycheck is going to be down another ten or fifteen dollars because I do that. Uh-huh. But you will get accustomed to it somehow. Or the other, you'll make purchasing you decisions. Will that will accommodate the fact that you don't have so it'll be painful for a week or two weeks three weeks and then you just forget about it and then you get your account statement oh my gosh i saved a thousand dollars last year so you go to karen and you say take this out of my check every week make me do it and she'll set it all up for you and set up your roth ira and she'll pull that out and if if you put a thousand dollars in this is going to be a tricky question but you probably know the answer (laughs) if you put a thousand dollars in at at 
let's say you start at 25 and by the time you're 60 what is that thousand dollars well it depends on uh, the rule of 72 says you take the rate of return divided in 72 and that's how often it doubles what does that mean uh, it, it means that <laughs> anybody got a calculator <laughs> Uh, it, it means that it's you'll have a lot more money. You think? I mean, it's like yeah. it's like a million dollars. It's like a thousand. It's like two hundred dollars a a yeah. month turns into like a million dollars in thirty years. It's weird. Yeah, if it makes about seven percent, it's it's going to double every every ten years. It's an amazingly large amount of money. It, it is because if you take a thousand dollars and you double it, you and know, double it, and double it, and, and double it, it, and every year, and the next year you're double. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and when we say double yeah. it, we don't mean double it by adding more deposit it the, doubles on its own the, the the great message to young people is when they understand the time value of money that what you do when you're 25 it requires when you're 45 far more far more greater investment or contributions to to your ira so so ten dollars is like a thousand dollars to somebody for age 45 to get to the same place when you're 65 uh-huh you have to invest a lot more money when you're older. So one of the things that I didn't like about the IRA was you couldn't get your money out without a penalty. Uh, and the penalties were pretty steep. But yeah. there are ways you can get it out, uh, and that would be college. Uh, I got it out for college. Yeah. You don't like that? Well. I took money out for the kids' college, yeah. and they let you without a penalty. Yeah. Is there yeah. Uh, any other reason? Well, but, you can't but, take but, it out to roof your house. Yeah, well, but you know you got it to retire you know and 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 retiring let me tell you what the biggest risk that we have out there today and that's longevity risk because people are living longer than 80 years of age my mother's 93 as you know yeah and and so people your children will come it'll be very common for people to be living to age 100 and and so the importance the importance of saving money and starting when you're 25 is 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 just do you hear that unbelie- tim unbelievably important i hope he's listening are you I'm listening a- tim <laughs> yes i am listening i don't know i have no 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 money in savings at I'm all i'm gonna start yeah. taking it out of your paycheck every week <laughs> well and and uh, and that's actually behavioral economics says that's what you do because behavioral economics yeah, so share so, wisdom behavioral so, economics so if you don't have to make you just sign the form you don't have to make a regular de- decision it's just automatic. It works. I ought to go do that to everybody that works for me. Just just make them sign a thing and just take it out of there. Because I'm in a, that mother mode. Yeah, well, let's have a meeting. I'll go there and I'll straighten them out. Good. I love yeah. that. You're too busy. <laughs> okay, I read your book. We've got like five minutes left. And I read your book. <laughs> I read it a long time ago. I forgot about it. It's great. Mm. What was the name of it? Widowed? Widowed to beginning again personally and financially. Tell me the reason you wrote that book because this is a good story. Um, well, I actually had a, you know, I've worked with a number of widows <clears throat> in the past, and when, when this lady came to me, uh, I thought, man, you know, she's probably been widowed for maybe, a, you know, a couple weeks, uh, just because of the way that she was handling her grief and confusion. And oh, you thought it was a couple of weeks? I thought it was a couple of weeks. It actually been a year and a half. Oh, wow. And, and so she had really been struggling for a, a very, very long time. Uh, and and so, you know, I, I she just kind of got to the point where she just was encouraged by people to write a book about, and she was talking about how she went to bookstores and couldn't find one that kind of was dealing with financial issues and personal issues and, and help a widow navigate through this very, very difficult very difficult time. And, and at the same time, I had some people speaking into my 
live saying, you know, you, you, you should write a book about some of the things that you're doing. And so we just decided to write a book together. So I wrote a book with a client and we actually went to a guy named Ted Parkhurst who ran August House and said, Ted, what do you think? And he said, man, this is a great way for us to tell the story of Sharon's life and then for uh, for you, you to, to to give good financial advice to you know to, to well, us. I bet it was so cathartic for her. Oh, it, it was. I I, it, I, it was. Her. It was just. Uh, it did. It was just really, really amazing. So we actually hired a rhetoric writing professor from UALR, Sally Crisp, and she was kind of like. And she said, you know, most time when you collaborate on a book, people, you know, just say, here, you, you just do it and show us the draft. Sharon and I got in there, rolled our sleeves up, and we had meetings, and we went through every paragraph of that book. And and we just worked all three together, and 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 Sally said that was that was uh, unusual because we we wanted to write that book. So I felt like an author, and Sally was was she was the traffic cop, you know. That this is you know this is a one way street, so you don't phrase this paragraph this way, or yeah. let's move this. This is the way and, it really was. And so she, the, uh, you know, together uh, we, it was just a great project, and we just had a and lot of fun. And it's still for sale, right? Do you sell it on I, Amazon? You know, uh, I don't know if it's still on Amazon. I will give anybody who wants a free copy of the book. I'll put it on, oh, aren't you nice? I'll yeah. put it on uh, upyourbusiness.org and people can, uh, can you know, click on it somehow. Yeah. I'll put something where they can get in touch with it. Yeah, and, and just let me know. Back then when you brought that book, you had to print a million of them. Yeah, well, it wasn't a million, but I, I printed a lot of them. There's yeah, they don't do that but that anymore. Yeah, and now I've they got, got digital printing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I've got paper books that that you know that that will hand somebody to to. Okay, read. we got to go. But last question that I don't know and I need the answer to: Where do you keep all your documents? Oh, on a website it's called Ignite. It's a secure website, and oh, you put it out on the cloud. Uh, I've, I've been using it for years and feel very, very confident about how we. Not in a bank deposit it. box. Not in a shoe box oh, under the bed. Certain documents and banks in a in a safe deposit at the bank, but ninety five percent of them can be scanned and and kept in a Dropbox or Ignite or some uh, secure uh, website that's uh, that's on the cloud. And I, you think I everybody should that. get a will and an IRA? Is that your last words for your list for the listeners today? With, without a question, if you're under the age of seventy five, you should get an IRA. Under the age of seventy five, <laughs> never too late to start. There you go. Okay, Barry, see what this is. You get this. That's for do you do you smoke cigars? Uh, actually, my daughter asked me to smoke a cigar with her when she was at the University of Arkansas when we celebrated. So there's a picture of, of us on the top of Mount Sequoia smoking cigars. Well, that's for all the businesses you birthed. That's for your business you oh. birthed and for all the people you've helped. Thank you so much. I'm going to sit by the fire pit tonight and smoke this cigar. With a little brandy. One of the great travesties of life is that wisdom is not transferable, but it can be shared. Thank you, Barry, for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. You did great. Thank you. I could tell you liked it. You're a great mentor. You love mentoring people, don't you? Yes, I do. I know. Also, if you have a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to... Questions at upyourbusiness.org. And someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program's been about you, you're right. But it's also about me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it 
whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next week. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guests. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.